Welcome to Boolean Review Podcast, where the highest rated dentists in the country tell us exactly how they do it. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Boolean Review Podcast. The Boolean Review Podcast is brought to you by Sky Media, a dental marketing company that specializes in working with endodontists and oral surgeons. First off, if you do not follow us on Instagram, please check out our Instagram page. Our username is Boolean Review. We are new to Instagram, so we don't have very many followers, but we are making a real effort to put out valuable content and nuggets of information focused on the topic of reviews, and in particular, how to get more reviews if you're a dental practice. On this episode, I have the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Brett Gilbert. He's the owner of King Endodontics and is the host of a internet show called The Endophiles that he pushes out on Instagram, YouTube, and LinkedIn on a weekly basis. Dr. Brett Gilbert has amassed over 12,000 followers on Instagram, and I'm really excited to uh, talk with him about all of this. And for your convenience, this is a longer episode, so we did try to divide up the conversation into two separate topics or conversations. The first half of the conversation is focused on Dr. Brett Gilbert's social media presence and his endophile show. So we get into that conversation right away, but the second half is specifically focused on reviews and in particular for his office. He talks about what he has tried, what has worked, what hasn't worked, and whatnot. So I would encourage you to listen to the whole podcast if you're interested in Dr. Gilbert and what he's doing online. But if you just want the information on reviews, I would go ahead and jump roughly to the 27-minute mark, which is where we get into the topic of reviews. All right, let's jump into this podcast. Thank you for joining us, Dr. Gilbert. Thanks, Chris. It's really a pleasure to be with you. I'm excited to participate on your podcast, really discuss a really awesome and pertinent topic in the world in general, but certainly the way social media and how we communicate on there for dentistry has been really an incredible transformation. So excited to, uh, to talk with you and, and get some information out there. Well, I'm glad that you have taken the time to do this as well. All right. What I'm really interested in talking about first is the Endophiles show. So why don't you tell us about what it is exactly and where the idea came from? Sure. Uh, so the Endophiles, um, give credit the name to my wife. She came up with the name. But I really for a long time had this pet project in mind of getting on YouTube and being able to just give out little bursts of information um, from the, the framework of you know what I learned in practice today. And um, I've been doing a lot of lecturing and speaking, do a lot of hands-on training for general dentists and endodontics. I teach at the University of Illinois with the residents. So I really have a passion for teaching. Quite honestly, the way I feel when I'm teaching is just amazing feeling. So it's a calling that I really just love to do. And so from that, I really want wanted to try to contribute to the awareness out there for endodontics in general, dentistry in general. And I felt that, you know, if I was going to do it and do it on a regular basis, I try to put out two of the episodes per week, that it really had to be short and quick. So I took one minute, which of course is the allowance for posting on Instagram. I'm sure that's changing over time. But and so one minute videos, just some topics, some bit of information I can do to uh, enlighten, educate, but also to empower dentists. I mean, what we see, especially for the younger dentists graduating dental school, is they graduate really with a tremendous lack of, of clinical confidence in regards to root canal treatment. And, 
you know, root canal treatment can be really tricky. It can be very humbling. It's challenging. Uh, but from a case selection standpoint, you'll hear endodontists talk a lot about case selection. So, you know, for a general dentist, maybe who hasn't had a ton of experience to select cases that are within your your abilities and and build from there. And so I wanted to provide some bit of education and tips and tricks to, you know, a student, uh, a young dentist. Um, we find that international dentists really are lacking sometimes in the ability to access good continuing education. And I've had a general general dentist from around the world contact me and let me know that they really rely on YouTube as their source of information. So really was born from wanting to put my voice out there for awareness, for empowerment and encouragement, uh, try to do some bits on, on mindset and how to keep yourself in check, on um, breathing, then getting into something mundane like, you know, how to go through certain material crowns, how we irrigate and obturate. Um, I've really tried to cover a good number of topics. There's always going to be more to go. Um, I've really enjoyed doing it. And the response I've had has been really uh, really encouraging. And so I'm just going to continue to do it. I try to vary it from clinical topics. I have a patient education edition. So I'll put out information. I did one on should you brush first and then floss or the opposite. And I actually got some cool feedback from some of my patients who had, had seen it and uh, really kind of gave me some feedback on it. So the endophiles was just that, just a, a way to get awareness out there. Um, I don't do any branding or sponsorship for it, so I've not mentioned one brand name on there. It's really just about getting information out there, hopefully in an entertaining way, hopefully in a way that you could devote one minute to. Um, and so uh, I appreciate it. And quite honestly, I think because of that, that's why I'm talking to you today, Chris. So I think that it's been um, it's been an exciting thing to get going, and I plan to continue it. I'm up to, I just did my 32nd episode. Oh, nice. Yeah, I was looking. I didn't realize you mentioned it's on YouTube as well. And then I just looked up your YouTube channel. Looks like your first video you ever posted was a little over two years ago. Um, but that was just kind of um, that was more what that was not the endophiles, correct? Correct. Yeah, there, there's a video. I actually have a clinical video that's been up there for a couple of years. It's had you know, I may, might have 300,000 uh, views. So that was essentially um. a procedure video, which I also plan to do more of uh, going forward. Uh, there's a couple other videos re more related to my practice or to some events that I've attended. Uh, so I did a vlog of, of an experience I had, really unique experience uh, in 2017 when I did actually a live root canal treatment on the big stage at the Greater New York Dental Meeting. They had a live oh, dental, wow. you know, yeah. So I actually brought a patient from Chicago, did a complete treatment while making a presentation in front of a probably about five or 600 dentists. So it was, it was, uh, let me, let me just say, I knew I was alive that day. <laughs> so I was going to say, uh, that sounds like some, uh, adrenaline, like legitimately, that's like the equivalent of like a professional athlete, like the pregame jitters, I would imagine. It was, it was, uh, such a amazing, unique experience. Uh, but yes, no doubt. I mean, I was alive that day. What was coursing through my veins as I took that stage. But for whatever reason, since I was a young child, I really, really enjoy speaking in front of people. I feel very natural doing it. And I didn't know how it would go as I was, you know, working on my patient, but quite honestly, it was about as one of the most fun things I've ever done in my whole life. I'm sure a lot of people might find that crazy, but um, it was really fun and everything worked out great. And so it was 
an incredible experience. And so there's a few vlogs from that day that uh, sort of I tried to encompass or just, you know, draw a picture for time of what I went through that day before, during and after. So it was cool. Uh, that is awesome. Wow. That's so <clears throat> you the other thing that I'm interested in is you mentioned that this idea of the endophiles you had for a while um, and this is more of like my interest in entrepreneurship and business in general. What like at the, like the day before the day of the week before, right around the time where you actually like did it, you made the first episode, which in my experience is the hardest, uh, to do what, what was the cause of, was there something that happened that made you feel like I just, I got to do this or, or why did you suddenly after all this time, um, was it like an anniversary or anything special or was it just like a Tuesday morning you woke up and did it? You know what I mean? No, there's a real story there. Um, so I attended an incredible, really life-changing event called the Summit of Greatness. I don't know if any of your listeners are aware of a gentleman named Lewis Howes and he has a podcast called The School of Greatness. Oh, yeah, I'm familiar. Yeah, so uh, so I have a good friend, one of, actually one of my best friends from childhood, who is part of Lewis's circle, and he invited me to come to the Summit of Greatness in Columbus, Ohio. And it was essentially, you know, three days of just inspiration and just people talking about living big and about going after your life and really making the most of it. And I was truly inspired by that. And so once I got home from the summit, I started to read a ton of books. I just was like diving into reading. And the book that really was the, the impetus for the endophiles was called The Five Second Rule by Mel Robbins. And if not, if any of you have read it or haven't, I highly recommend it. Um, it's basically a neurological formula where if there's something you need to get up and do, whether it's your alarm clock or get started on a project or something at work, you say five, four, three, two, one. And at one, your, fit heat, your feet hit the floor and you start moving. And so here I'm reading Mel Robbins book and she's, you know, really rose to fame with a TED talk that she did. And she's got excellent books and just really inspirational. But I was literally reading the book that said, if there is a project that you've been thinking about doing, if there's something that you want to create, then just write this moment, say five, four, three, two, one, and do it. And I'm not, I'm not making this up, Chris. I literally closed the book, went down, sat at my desk and filmed the first endo files. And it was a glorious feeling because I had really given it thought for good year or more and just never quite got over the hump to do it as you're describing, you know, that first moment of when you just do it. And I did it. It was incredible. What was even more incredible was one of my most respected colleagues texted me about five minutes after I posted on Instagram and was like, hey, that's a great Instagram idea. So it was almost like I had instant validation for having just motivated five, four, three, two, one, did it. And that was how it all started. And so I even said in one of my uh, episodes at the end of the year, which was about gratitude and just feeling grateful for everything at the end of the year that, you know, for those of you who might have a project in mind or something, something creative that you can just get behind. The beauty of today is that you can do it on your own. It doesn't cost any money. It's just a matter of planning it out and deciding that you're going to get started. Um, I also wanted to mention you were mentioning YouTube, but I've actually found I've gotten the most views for the endo files on LinkedIn. And so um, I, I posted, yeah, I posted on Instagram, Twitter, 
LinkedIn and YouTube. And actually, I get the most views and hits on LinkedIn. So for whatever that's worth, I just thought I'd put it out there. First of all, that's super awesome. I love that. And I just uh, looked up your first video. So I'm going to link that in the show notes if someone wants to check that out. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm excited because uh, I'm a big, big fan of just fail fast, like throw things at the wall, see what sticks and just like take action. Um, but yeah, that's, that, that is a very cool story. And I think it's, um, just a, a testament to the best way to like do something is to just start like, what's the best idea you have, or what's the, what's the first thing you can do to just move in that direction. And, uh, yeah, you did it. And there's no like graphic. You, d you don't even have a name and, or I don't know if you had called it endophiles, but unlike your videos now, you don't need that in the beginning because um, you just need to start and then over time it evolves and changes and gets better. So I think that's awesome. Thanks, man. Thanks. And I, I, I also feel the same way. Like I hope someone might. And, and you know, the other thing is, is it's it's a it's a body of work, I feel like, that's just out there. So some dentist sometime somewhere is going to be doing a search on a topic that they're interested in. They'll find it and maybe look at the others. But I think seeing the first couple, which I filmed just, like you said, just right off, I didn't do the graphic until later when I really felt like it was happening. But um, yeah, it's, you know, maybe it'll be an inspiration for someone else to just get on their webcam and just start talking and see how it goes. But right, um, exactly. That's really how it was born. And, you know, looking back as you're describing it, you know, makes me feel really great. Like I, I really am excited about it. I've, I think about and try to plan what topics might come next. I've asked colleagues to send me topics and I've had people, you know, um, DM me on Instagram from Turkey, from all over asking me questions about the video. So, you know, just so cool how the world has become so small and we can communicate in this incredible medium. And so it's a very exciting time. Yeah. And I, one other thought on that is I just feel like you, with hearing you talk about the excitement and just kind of how fun it is to do that, the thing that is, I think, hopefully is a good reminder for everybody, how easy was it really to do that? I mean, there's some difficulty and consistency um, and staying disciplined and continuing to do after you start. But the I feel like the good news for everybody is like if you have a crazy idea, as long as your motivation for it is in the right place, it really is not that difficult to have fun creating content and just throwing it out there. And then, like you said, that's the long tail of the internet. Like you could throw something up today, nobody sees it for 10 years. And then all of a sudden <clears throat> it's like exactly what some random person when Google changed their algorithm, like stumbles across and they're like, wow, this is perfect. And you never like you, you have no idea what's going to happen to that information once you throw it up there and just, kind of let it do its thing. So that's awesome. So when let's, let's dive into this story with social media in particular, when did you start, um, on social media? What was the first social media account? And maybe there, if you're like most people, you create an account and then don't do anything with it for a year or five years or whatever. But what was the first social media account that you created for yourself? And when was that? I was Twitter and that could have been maybe even 2013. So I, I got on Twitter. I didn't do a lot as far as posting, but I found it interesting as, you know, being an information junkie that I could get information quickly. And I really thought Twitter was where it was going to be. 
Uh, but it turned out that Twitter, you know, is more useful for people with a lot of fame. And uh, so Instagram sort of came on the scene. I was aware of it. But what really got me motivated was um, I had a, a colleague come to me and say, hey, some of the other endodontists in the area are really getting active, posting cases on Facebook. And, you know, I think you should you should step up. And I took those words with a lot of genuineness and I just stepped up and I got a personal Facebook going, which allowed me to manage my professional Facebook account, which we had had for probably maybe since 2013 or 14. Didn't do a whole lot with it, but just had some presence there that if you looked us up, we were there. Uh, so then I started to really go with it. And then Instagram, you know, really has caught fire, I would say, over the last year and a half or two years. And really got active on Instagram. And personally, I enjoy Instagram the most. I find Instagram to be just so entertaining. I love the IGTV. I try to post different content on IGTV so that there's always something for someone to look at as far as my channel. And so um, so that's really where it started. Started with Twitter, built into Facebook, went to Instagram. LinkedIn was always sort of there. And like I said, until recently, and with the video postings and seeing a lot of viewings, I really didn't give it a whole lot of credence, but it's definitely catching another wave. And so that's where my story started. So, and that's the, uh, the other thing with Instagram in particular, uh, you now have 12,000 followers. Uh, where did, when did, give me the date again. When did you create and like actually start posting on Instagram? Not the endo files, but just Instagram in general. Yeah. October, I think it was like October of 17. Okay. And then did you have, do you remember how many followers you had before doing the endo files? No, no, I, I, I'm not, was sure it like a thousand honest. or were you close to where you are now? Has it grown substantially? No, since? It might've been more than that. It might've been, yeah, it was probably more than that. I, I might've had, you know, maybe three or 4,000 by then. Okay. And, um, you know, I had also really made a, initially it was really a way I wanted to, be able to show people what I was doing in my teaching arena. So I would, you know, put postings when I was at a course and when I was teaching and where I was. And I found that that actually started to get things growing for me. Um, you know, an example was, you know, when I was in New York for that meeting or, you know, I did a couple videos, you know, when I was off at a Seattle study club and just trying to, you know, tune people into the fact that there's a lot of dentists that are out there aside from just practicing, but out there traveling, leaving family, leaving home to go teach. And, um, and I like people to be aware of that, you know, number one, just because if they're around and they would want to come see me, I'd love to have them. But also just because I think it's, uh, again, a sort of a point of inspiration to say, Hey, if you like teaching and you're willing to make a sacrifice, there are opportunities to do that. And so, um, so that was really what I was using it for. The endo files was, it was sort of a build on to that. And to this point, obviously probably been the most successful thing I've done on it, but I'm uh, still got more ideas. So I'm, I'm working on the next big thing. And you, so you, is it, did I hear you correctly that before the endo files, so like four months ago, five, maybe five months ago, you basically have doubled or tripled your audience since doing that. Is that right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. And so that's the other thing that I, I guess, I don't know if you've talked to other dentists, but I feel like having an Instagram is obviously a good thing. That's there's benefit to that, but there's so many, I don't know if, do you have any advice for like, I feel like a lot of dentists, they come to us and they want us to just like 
quote, do their social media for them. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. it's try, it's hard. I don't know. What are your, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I will say this. I mean, there's so many pulls on our time and I, I really, for whatever reason, I've always just been a kind of a worker, <laughs> like a worker bee. So if you give me another thing to do, I'll just somehow make it fit. But I think for a lot of dentists, I mean, it's exhausting. You know, if you have maybe a better work-life balance than I do, you know, you may not want to really take this on at this time and maybe not personalize it as much. But this is just who I am. And so, you know, my work-life balance, I, I, it's something I'm always working on. But I will literally, you know, continue to work after my day is over and jump on and film, uh, you know, an endo files and try to post. And also at the same time, it's almost impossible. It's like literally like a drug. As soon as you start going through and you see people's stories and then you fall into another 10 or 15 minutes. So I think if there's some people out there that are fearful that it's just too much and it's going to pull you in, believe it, it is going to do that. <laughs> so, so, and I think for peace of mind in life, maybe sometimes people just try to stay away. And so they'd rather just pay a service to make a few postings and just have a presence. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But I think the people that are really growing on it are really putting in an effort. And it's something that is just, I think, in you or not. But for me personally, I really do put a lot of time into it. And I've actually really enjoyed watching it grow. I, I enjoy thinking of new ideas of how I can continue to you know, have content that matters and, and is impactful. And so I think, again, that goes back to my teaching background. And you know, I really want to create content so that some dentist will find me and be like, wow, I'm so glad I found him because what he just said in that little video actually is going to help me tomorrow with my patient. And so mm. that's really all it is. I, I, it's not monetized in any way. I mean, I don't know if maybe down the road for dentists, there'll be an opportunity to monetize it with sponsorship or what have you. But I think right now the dentists are doing it or doing it because they think it's fun and they realize that it's having an impact. And what's more, what's cooler than that? You know, the, to be able to have an impact through a totally different channel than just having a patient face to face in your office. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I think in my the reason I brought that question up is I just feel like to obviously for a business account. Yeah, you could have a company do it. But I just feel like there's a lot of there's a potential for a lot of disappointment in the results. And I, we don't we don't um do or run social media pages for businesses. Um, we will recommend and give resources and help train them on how to do it. But my advice, and I'm curious if you, you now being very, I would say very successful in this, in the niche that you're in. Um, but I feel like if someone's intimidated by it, they just need to simplify the thinking of what should I post? Like, you know, what value do I have to bring? I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it does. I think it's 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 just that. I think there is some fear to it. I think that there is, you know, sort of, um, you know, we all we all carry. If you read it, you know, if you hear, I'm talking about Mel Mel Robbins and about Lewis Howes and reading about the personal growth and development space. I think that everyone does, as humans, have a condition where you wonder, do I matter enough? You know, am I worthy enough? Does anyone really care what I have to say? Mm. And my experience in in starting to grow myself and and really trying to put myself out there is, you know what? 
really you do you do matter you are worthy and believe it or not there's enough eyeballs and brains out there that will look at what you post and it will have an impact on them in some way so the truth is is that we all have this power but you know it does have to be at the right time for you when you're looking to devote in it and to be honest it is a little bit vulnerable I mean if I release a video you know, some of them I really feel great about when I release. Others I'm feeling a little more unsure about it. And I, it is a vulnerable moment to just put it out there. And, but, you know, what I'm reading and, and what, again, the five second rule, highly recommended by Mel Robbins, what these books teach you is that, you know what? It's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to try. You know, it, it, you'd rather, you will never regret trying and failing, but you'll regret never trying. Right. And that's what I'm trying to train myself to do as I get a little bit older and I think about life and perspective is just that, you know what, go for it, put it out there. And in this way, you do it from the comfort of your home. It doesn't cost you any money. You don't need to hire anyone. You just put yourself out there and more and more I'm seeing, you know, my colleagues doing that more and more with video content, you know, putting a case up on, on Instagram. I mean, you're exposing yourself, right? Someone right. could call you out and say, Hey, you missed this, you missed that. So, but I think being vulnerable is an important part of being human. And I think this is giving us as doctors, maybe an outlet to be a little more vulnerable. And I think you grow from that personally. So my, my advice is, Five, four, three, two, one, set up an Instagram, start snoop, snooping out what everyone else is doing, and then see how you fit in. Mm, that's great. I love it. All right. Well, we are going to take a quick break. So five, four, three, two, one. And here's a message from our sponsor. Welcome to Boolean Review Podcast, where the highest rated dentists in the country tell us exactly how they do it. So the Boolean Review Podcast is brought to you by Sky Media. It is actually the parent company of Boolean. Sky Media started uh, about six years ago with, uh, it was called Sky Studios, a video production company that specialized in a lot of the creative and digital marketing that you see in so many small businesses these days. And as Sky Studios grew, uh, we decided to focus into the dental space in particular and have since actually drilled down even deeper into a niche of endodontic and oral surgery marketing. So we still do all of the creative video, photo, and website work and social media stuff that you see from the typical digital marketing company. We now just focus it specifically on the endodontic and oral surgery markets. So if you are interested in learning more about that, you can head over to sky.media. That's their website. And the, the way you spell sky is S-K-E-Y-E dot media. So again, their website is sky.media. And you can head over there for a free consultation and a quote on what it would cost to get started with Sky. Thank you very much for Sky and their support. And now back to the episode. Welcome to Boolean Review Podcast, where the highest rated dentists in the country tell us exactly how they do it. And we're back. So jumping into the topic of reviews in general, the first thing that I want to talk about with you is uh, quantity of reviews. And one thing that people, if they look up your practice that I want to address right out of the gate is you only have 56 Google reviews. Um, but the other, the thing that's interesting about this is that you're an endodontist and for whatever reason, 
believe it or not, for all the general dentists and other specialists that are listening to this right now, 56 reviews for an endodontist is actually quite a bit because for whatever reason, and maybe Dr. Brett Gilbert, you can uh, uh, fill me in on this, but it seems like of all the specialties, endodontists and periodontists are lagging behind incredibly, and I am, I'm completely baffled by this, as opposed to orthodontics, um, even pediatric dentistry, they're really, really focusing on reviews. And then obviously there's general dentists that do and don't, but across the board, it just seems like there's there's a uh, lagging to, as far as adoption goes in this one particular area. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I wasn't aware of that, but I think to some degree, I think a review does come from the patient's personal time. And I know that uh, there's many patients that leave me that I think, you know, there'd be a chance they might leave me a review. But I think there is somewhat of a lack of accountability for it because although they're very grateful for the treatment we provide, grateful for the, the benefits of getting out of pain and eliminating disease, they also know for the most part they may never see us again. And maybe mm. when push comes to shove and the personal time is, is ready to be expended, they do it somewhere else. So just that's top of mind what might come you know out of a patient's mindset as far as not leaving a review. Uh, but I found that it's difficult to predict who may or may not leave one. Um, so anyway, I'm glad to hear that I'm a bit ahead of the curve on that, but I was unaware that that was actually uh, sort of a trend. Yeah, it's interesting. We just this last week, actually, we've been putting together our goal is to have top 10 lists for every dental specialty um, across the country. So it's it's easy to see who the top dentist or endodontist or periodontist is for a particular city, but there's no easy way to see nationally who is ranked the highest. So we've actually gone through and um, spent a significant amount of time because there's no other way around it than looking at some of the major cities and then relying on customers and um other connections that we've made to just validate that, yep, I think you do have the, the highest ones. But just as an example, the highest general dentist has 1,700 reviews. Um, there's an orthodontist that's up close to 700, another oral surgeon close to 700, and uh, endodontists are the highest one that I found was 359, which is really, really impressive. But then it drops off very quickly to the hundreds. Um, which is just very strange because they're in most other specialties, there are a handful of dentists that are up into the three or four hundreds. Um, and basically, I guess what I'm saying for you and any other endodontist listening, if you can get to 200 Google reviews, I on it, I think that would put you into the top 10, uh, as far as user ratings go for endodontists in the country. So um, which is a lot better news than if you're an orthodontist and you've got to get to seven or 800. <laughs> so, wow. Wow. Sure. Yeah. <clears throat> well, that's something to strive for, for sure. Yeah, definitely. All right. So how long ago did this topic of reviews become something that you were paying attention to? So I would say maybe a couple of years ago, I started to really read more about how important this was going to be in our practices. And so I've been in private practice for 16 years when I started in private practice, we didn't even have a website. So it's amazing. Um, you know, I'm 43 years old. Me and my wife kind of laugh about our generation has really bridged a significant gap in technology. I mean, I remember the phones were like rotary phones. So we've really come a long way. And, we, you know, my generation has been 
it's sort of we've been with everything. We've seen all the changes at a time when we were old enough to understand them, to use them. So I started in practice without even a website. And to be honest with you, I think it was possible we didn't even have our email on our on our business card at that point in time. So, you know, this has been a big evolution. I'm just always looking ahead. What's coming next? I think it's part interest, part fascination, part paranoia, you know, will I mm. still be relevant, you know, down the road? And so the review part started to come through and Yelp certainly seemed to be the beginning of it. But um, as far as, you know, getting patients to leave reviews, I think it was pretty well understood that if a patient wanted to leave you a review, they were going to have to take themselves through a bit of a process to first find you, link into your page, be able to log on and be able to access to write you a review. And given that we already have a limited amount of personal time, even if they love you, which I like to think most of my patients really do, it's a lot to do to, to get that review out there. And, and, you know, some of my reviews do go back to 2009 or 2010. But I think what became obvious to me was if we could start to make it easier for the patients to leave the review, we'd have a better chance of them doing it. And so when I really kind of keyed in and made it a goal to try to get more online reviews, it was um, basically I was listening to a podcast, you know, by, Den uh, by Dr. Ferran on Dentaltown, Dent Dentistry Uncensored. And I hooked into a company called Podium which was advertising some sort of formula where you send a text message, patient clicks on it, and instantly they're right in, ready to give you a five-star review and leave you a, you know, a written review as well if they so choose. And so I hired them. And so um, for the fee monthly, it was allowed me to send this link out to the patients and try to make it easier for them. And so that's actually what I did. Uh, previous to that, we, were, we work with Solution Reach and they have a review service. Earlier on, it was a little more rudimentary than it is today, but that was more of, they, the reviews wound up being on more of a micro site um, as opposed to transitioning patients directly into Google or Facebook. And so that was when I really was seeking to try to leverage patients back into the Google Facebook reviews so that, you know, more people could see them. And, you know, I honestly, as an endodontist, I think there's a, an incredible benefit to a patient reading about someone else's experience, because no doubt, no matter where you go in the world, when you hear the two simple words of root and canal together, it conjures up a lot of images of distress and discomfort and horror stories. But in reality, I mean, it's a beautiful procedure. It's so comfortable, so safe. It does such an amazing job, especially if you're in pain. So having patients describe their experience as a, if I was a patient, just would really give me a different level of reassurance aside from, you know, the dentist telling them, hey, I'm going to send you here. They're really great. So I would say about a year and a half to answer your question is when I became really aware of it. And that was mm -hmm. when we brought Podium on board to try to help us with this more simplified access to the review site. Nice, nice. Okay. It sounds like you, if I were to summarize your history with... Um various uh, processes or products, the solution reach um, uh, that when they, the microsite, I think they still have that. Um, but what I'm curious about that in particular is the a microsite. And for anyone that is not familiar with that would just be, you have like the Google Yelp and Facebook review platforms, but then you have other companies that are creating like rate biz and rate dentist and all these other websites that are attempting to be what um, Google, Yelp, and Facebook already are. 
Um, and so did you, how many reviews did you amass or collect in that time of using solution reach just out of curiosity on that microsite? So the answer is zero. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. And, and I actually have a great working relationship with solution reach. I, I think uh, solution reach as a platform for electronic communications and helping with my practice has been amazing. I, I really am a big fan of solution reach. Just the review part was an issue for me. And I think they've done a good bit of work to improve that. But, um, but I wasn't getting any transitions or conversions into actual Google or Facebook reviews. So that was why I felt I had to reach into a separate arm. So I never stopped using Solution Reach. I still use it today. It's, again, been amazing. But I also then have employed Podium. And I'll just put it out there that I'm, you know, if there's any companies out there interested in my business, I'm a free agent. I <laughs> can't say that right now I'm, I'm really getting the, the number of reviews I'd like, but I'm sure we'll get into it a bit. But I also have not been, I probably have been similar to maybe a lot of doctors that are listening to this, which is that, you know, it is not within our real nature to just, you know, stare at a patient you've just had this incredibly intimate type of experience with. They're in pain, they're they're emotional, they're fearful, they're there for a procedure that's going to be expensive for them and be a burden in some ways. And now you're also saying, well, now I'd please like you to take your free time and leave me a review online. So I'm sure this is a line we want to walk, Chris, but I just would say that, um, you know, the investment in a review service for the convenience, I think is probably an essential at this stage of the game, mm. because it does seem that even with that, a lot of patients are still reluctant to give up their time, even if they really love you, um, but reluctant to give up that precious, precious time to leave you a review. Right, right. No, I think that's a good point. And the one thing that I would share about the Boolean system, and I'd be curious to know what your thoughts are on this and I should clarify, we actually, um, there's a piece of the Boolean system that is software, but then there's also a significant um, portion that is just a process that we believe you should implement into your practice. And this has evolved through these conversations with dentists. But the one I liked the most was uh, Dr. Uh, Joshua Austin from Texas, who does a lot of speaking, um, and I'm sure a number of people have heard of him. He said it the best, and that is, uh, as a dentist, you can obviously go through a, like a more intense period of trying to get reviews, but at the end of the day, the most important thing is to never let a compliment go to waste. And in particular, what he means is patients are complimenting various things about the practice, the building, the service, the promptness. Um, how happy they are with the result, they're complimenting you all the time. And if you like tune your ears to listen to that, those are the opportunities where it's significantly easier to steer the conversation into a review. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I think that sounds great. I will say this in my experience, and I think probably a lot of doctors listening might have similar experiences. So like, you know, in, in thinking about coming on this podcast and, and really honestly being sort of inspired this year, 2019, to try to really look at this as more of a priority. Um, I had a patient in yesterday, was it yesterday, maybe Tuesday, that was yesterday, and he was in for a follow-up and it would have been six months since his treatment. 
I was just following up to see how things were healing, how he was doing. He really complimented me. He told me it was like, I, you know, I, I wasn't sure what it was going to be like. It was painless. Everything was great. I really appreciate everything. And so just like you're saying, I felt like, okay, here we go. Um, just like Dr. Austin was saying, let's not let a compliment go to waste. So I said, hey, you know, that's awesome. I appreciate that. I'm so glad you had a great experience. You know, other patients, future patients, you know, nowadays they really rely on online reviews. It's just sort of the new word of mouth. So, you know, if, if you don't mind, if you had a great experience, would you mind just doing a short review? I think it really helps to make other patients feel reassured about where they're coming, you know, before they meet us. And he's, I said, we can send you a quick link. All you have to do is tap on. He goes, yeah, I think you sent me that last time. He said, sure, no problem. And I'm still waiting for the review. And then <laughs> Interestingly enough, on the flip side, I could have a patient and maybe, you know, you, you don't, you never really know who's active online or what have you, but I'll have like, you know, a patient that maybe I wouldn't have expected to be as nimble to leave a review, leave me an amazing review without any type of request. So I think that just in being very honest, I think that I'm really still learning like everyone else and I'm open to any system that might work. I think that I definitely could train my staff to be a bit stronger at this and that's something that I really like to do. And so um, I, I recognize how important this is, but I will say, I mean, as someone who's in the trenches every day clinically, it really, at the end of the day, it's not easy mm. to put yourself in a position to be asking for a review because in all honesty, we're such caretakers. We're so selfless. You know, we really give a little piece of our soul to our patients every single time. And at the end, asking for something back, aside from, of course, them covering your bill, which of course <laughs> is how you make your living and right, keep the right. business going, it's hard to do. So, you know, I'm sure this is evolving. I really appreciate your work on this. And I did hear uh, Dr. Austin's podcast with you. For those who haven't heard it, I highly recommend listening to it. He he definitely is uh, ahead of the game on this, and I really like his approach to it. But again, going back to listening to the statistics you were describing and the relationship with an endodontist, I do think it's maybe a little more of a unique niche and something that needs to be worked on a bit more. And I'll certainly take it on as a challenge to try to come up with better strategies. But um, I'm like I said, I'm a free agent. I'm open. I'm willing to learn and implement. And I have a great experience staff. I mean, they're just amazing. So they're totally on board with trying to make this happen. And I think one thing that Dr. Austin said that I also liked is the idea of uh, rewarding your staff if they're mentioned in a review. Mm, yes. So, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe coining it um, more as, you know, I'm glad you had a great experience here. Boy, my staff sure gets a lot of excitement if, you know, if, 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 other future patients recognize what a great job they're doing. So maybe turning the onus back onto the staff more than the doctor would maybe get them online to do it for you without feeling like you're so personally asking them to, to give you something when in reality, you don't truly want them to give you something. You just really want to pass the good word to the next patient. So it's kind of an interesting thing. Yeah. And I think, uh, I'm glad you brought that up about Dr. Austin, the, uh, paying the staff, I think a critical, critical piece of that is, first of all, he only pays five bucks, which isn't that much. But the thing that I think he, and this isn't his idea, it's just a good reminder. There is a big, big difference in incentivizing staff with like, hey, I'll add $5 to your next paycheck versus what he does, which is he's got a crisp stack of brand new $5 bills. And at the meeting, 
he hands the staff member a $5 bill for all the reviews that came in the previous day or week or however frequently they're doing this. But that's the, there's something about from an employee perspective or just a human perspective, getting the recognition in front of everybody else and then getting to hold just a brand new, nice piece of, you know, American money. <laughs> there's something about that <laughs> as opposed to like, Oh sweet. Like five more dollars is in my bank account. Nice. You know what I mean? It just doesn't have quite the same ring to it. Um, and the, so the other thing that you mentioned the, which I think is hilarious, honestly, the, you go through this big, you know, you're, he compliments you that patient. And then you're like, all right, gearing up. I'm going to ask him, you ask him for the review and he's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I got that last time. And in his head, he's like, thanks. Like I'm, I'm not doing it, but yeah, I appreciate you bringing it up again. <laughs> this is a, from my sales days. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of the company Sandler training. This definitely would be in the business world. But um, the guy who founded um, Sandler Training came up with a principle for referrals. So this applies to all businesses. This isn't necessarily a dental um, statistic, but it's, it goes back to just consumers and people in general. And he called it the 20-20-60 principle. And this is another thing that I think is um, just important to remember that, yeah, you are going to have conversations like that and things like that happen. Um, and even if you're not having conversations with patients face to face, if you understand this principle, the 20-20-60 principle, when it comes to referrals, and that is that 20% of people are going to refer you business. They just are going to do that. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to thank them. You don't have to pay them. You don't do anything. 20% of people refer business to um, other businesses that they enjoyed uh, going to. 20% of people, in addition to the first 20%, the second 20% is people that are just not interested. You could give them the best experience. It could be a spa, and that it would it could just be the most incredible thing ever, and they would never send you a patient ever. And then the the and the important thing to th to realize about both of those people and this and this graph looks like a bell curve, right? the important thing to understand about the extremes is that no matter what you do in your practice, you're going to have 20% of people that are going to continue to send you patients or leave you the, the, the modern word of mouth referral, which is a review. And then you're going to have people that aren't going to do that. But the place where you need to focus your energy on is realizing that 60% of your patient base would refer you. And again, this is what, um, the uh, Sandler training, um, uh, the Sandler training principle, or, or this this particular thing goes, is that when some or with all of your customers understand that you should be asking for referrals, but understand that probably only sixty percent of the people that you ask are going to do anything with it. And to be honest, when you're that, that means that they might talk to their friends about it or whatever, but it also means that they could leave a review. So, um, not that that makes that conversation any easier or any less awkward when the guy tells you, yeah, thanks for sending me this again. But I think it's a good thing to understand psychologically as humans that 20% people will, 20% of the people won't, and 60% of the people will do it if you make it easy for them and you ask them. You have to make them aware of it. Otherwise, that 60% is just clueless and they're, you know, wandering through without any um, 
knowledge that that would be something that would be helpful for you. So anyways, another little um, nugget there. Well, that's so, so it's a numbers game. It's a numbers game. And you, you, you want to think and hope that a hundred percent of your patients are happy. So, um, so you just really have to continue to dig in and, and, you know, it's when I get a review, it's a wonderful feeling. It, it truly is, it, it, you know, for all the reasons that we're saying patients may not want to take their time to do it when they in fact do do it, it's really a, an incredible validation. And, you know, you really recognize that that person felt a tremendous value in what you did. They appreciated you. And I think for the most part, I feel that way about all my patients, but again, our personal time, especially with all the distractions that we have in our lives, is so precious that for someone to have spent that, you know, five, seven minutes, whatever it was, to type out a little write-up about their experience, it's incredible. And that's why on all of my replies, I always say, thank you for taking the time to leave us this great review. We really appreciate it. And future patients appreciate it also, because I think it's important to acknowledge that they did actually give you a piece of their time. And uh, you know, just whoa, tell me what's more precious than time. <laughs> right. Do you, I'm actually looking at that. A significant number of your reviews are responded to, um, and maybe all of them. Are you the one that actually goes and responds? Absolutely. I go and respond myself. That is awesome. Cause I feel like the other thing that I have, uh, gleaned from conversations and the offices that are doing this review game, well, the dentists are very, very involved in it. Um, and so I can just say from my past uh, conversations, if you are someone that is already paying this much attention and taking the time to do, it's so simple, but it's, it's also, it's another thing you have to do. But the fact that you're taking time to actually write out a, like a one sentence response to every review is a good thing, I would say, for the future of your practice when it comes to reviews, because it obviously is showing me that you are paying attention to this significantly more than the average dentist is. And I think for whatever reason, um, I guess this is human nature to just want to delegate and you know pass things off. But I really think it, everything comes from the top down. And if, if the dentist or the owner of the practice is just trying to delegate or pay someone else to get reviews for them, it's probably not going to go well. Um, and so, and not that, not to say that you won't get some reviews, but the offices that are doing it really, really well are doing, are everybody in the practice is bought in and it starts with the dentist who is involved heavily in at least talking about it, um, to the staff if nothing else on a regular basis. Yeah, that's uh, and that's something I think I can do more of. So, and I'm going to use this opportunity to speak with you and maybe learn a little bit more about your program. But I'm going to use that as uh, motivation to really start the conversation again and and see what it bears. You know, I mean, it would be amazing to think that we could use this year to really bolster and and get more reviews because I, again, I do believe and and I think there's some colleagues that might maybe aren't completely bought in just yet, but I think there's no doubt that um, I have patients tell me, you know, I do get some patients that aren't referred directly from a dentist. And oftentimes they say it was based upon the reviews they read online. And that's just a, another indication to me of the fact that what I read two years ago or so in articles about what our future looked like 
it's right here. It's right now. Mm -hmm. And so um, it's a good feeling to see that, you know, if you plan ahead and you're paying attention, that you can be prepared for what comes next. Right. Absolutely. That's actually the... I if we can shift the topic away from the the nitty gritty of the reviews and and whatnot, I'm curious how having 56 reviews. And I should also point out, I was looking at your surrounding area. It looks like the next closest competitor to you has 11 reviews. Um, so you've got a pretty significant jump, and that's another thing people have asked us, like you know, how many reviews should we do we need before? we can stop worrying about this or the, I think what they're getting at is like, when, when is this going is when, when can I reach a number that I will reap the benefits of having a lot of reviews um, so that I can stop worrying about it. And I think there's two parts to that. First is I really feel like in today's world, we have to get, we, it, the reviews just have to become part of the, the process in the business. And just like you would ask them to, you know, sign their check so you can cash it. Um, they, there needs to be some component, whether automated or, um, part like a hybrid conversation, or if it's just a conversation with patients, I think that's coming. But what I'm interested in your situation, and that's the second part of that, the answer to that question is how many reviews do you need? You need more than your competitors do. Um, than your competitors have. And in your case, you've got about five times as many. I'm curious if that has actually resulted in new patients or patients mentioning, we decided to come here instead of this other office um, because of the reviews or have you reached that level yet? Because I know some offices that have hundreds of reviews are telling me that, but I'm curious if in this case, you've started to notice a benefit from having just 56 reviews. Yeah, I, I do think so. I think also the quality of the reviews, but also I think the number does stand out, especially when you look at the rating and then you look at how many reviews that rating is based upon. Uh, but, but to answer your question as far as like, well, how many do I need to have? I'll be honest in saying I think one of the most important numbers that's related to these online reviews is something called the date. And, mm. you know, a dated review in my mind doesn't stand and hold as much weight as the review from last week, because I think people recognize that, you know, you, you, you could have been having a, a bad month or a bad week and they want to know what was the patient that was just there. What was their experience? Like if I'm, if I'm going to go somewhere on vacation and I'm looking at write-ups or reviews, I want to know about someone who was there last week, not right. last year. <laughs> when the other manager was change. in charge. Yeah. <laughs> you got a new housekeeping so, staff now that doesn't do their job. Yeah, exactly. So that goes back to this idea of, you know, I'm, I'm going to make a concerted effort to really raise, raise the vibrations of, of our reviews in the office again, because I think this is never going to stop. I think this is, this is going to be ongoing. And I also hope and maybe think that the way the convenience for patients will improve, um, the, the concept of doing it as maybe being just part of the puzzle when you're, when you see a doctor or what have you, that likely is going to also increase. So, Right now, I think as much as the doctors and the practices are still trying to figure out, do they need it, how to do it, I think patients are in the same boat. I think that there's still this culture of leaving reviews is probably still for the few and not the many. And that likely would transition, at least in my mind, would likely transition over the years. So maybe this whole thing will happen a little more naturally and fluidly. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think the... Um, uh 
the thing that's going to happen more and more is sort of like the experience with Lyft and Uber. I don't know if you've taken either one of those, but how simple the review is at the end. The point being, these companies are trying to figure out better systems for how did this business do and like, were you happy with it? And at the end of the day, we just want to know if we can get 50% of the patients to respond and, or, you know, on Lyft or Uber, if we can get as the biggest percentage as possible to respond, um, and some are going to be happy and sad and whatever else, the average is what is going to speak volumes after you've gotten, you know, several hundred reviews. And that's, that's the big thing is just getting more people to do it. And as a dentist, if you're a good dentist, you're going to have a good rating. Like, it's just like, if you ask everybody, like you might get the sour person every now and then, but you know what you're doing. You care about your patients. Like people appreciate that and they're not expecting, you know, the Ritz Carlton. They're expecting the, like they're, they're choosing to come to you. So obviously they're, they feel like some people are, they stress out about in the beginning stages, like, what does someone think of me? It's like, guess what you, you've got, most likely you're going to have a 4.8 or 4.7 average, and that's fantastic, and that's enough to benefit your business. I mean, I personally still, uh, I, I review things on Google all the time um, just because I'm in this world, and I think it's it's a good thing to do. Um, but the like, I feel like I leave 99% of the reviews that I leave are positive because I want to you know make it known that I enjoyed my experience at this particular place. Um, and speaking of positive and negative reviews, I was looking at yours. You have a two, only one two-star review. You don't have a one-star review, but you have a two-star review from a year ago. Um, do you, I'm assuming that's something that you are aware of. You did respond to it. Is that something that you still think about? Um, or do you remember that particular scenario? And I have some follow-up questions on this, but I'm just curious if that was kind of a traumatic event (laughs) in, in recent past. Well, it was, uh, you know, it was an event that occurred when I was not in the office. So it was an associate I had at the time. And, you know, my associate's a wonderful person, a wonderful doctor. He doesn't, he doesn't work with me any longer. But, um, you know, in hearing the situation, I mean, you do run into certain people that it, they're, they're maybe just on a different wavelength. And maybe, maybe it's just in that moment. Maybe it's in general. Um, but the review in particular, you know, it, it, it was left in a very aggressive way, although the experience that happened didn't seem like anything real significant. But, you know, if, if patients are asking for something, for instance, a, a, a real concern about pain reliever at the end of an appointment when maybe there's some prior experience there. And in this situation, we had a little bit of a breakdown, I think, with how my front desk staff responded to that request. And so the patient wound up leaving unhappy, whereas I think if my associate had had that one last chance to address his question, it would have been a different experience. So I did respond to to the uh, initial review myself, even though it was not left regarding my own treatment. But of course, as owner of the practice, I take everything on my shoulders. I'm the leader, I'm the owner. And I, I indicated to the patient, you know, we're certainly sorry that you didn't have a great experience. I'd be happy to discuss anything we can do to help you. Here's our number. We're available whenever you would need us. I was able to get the patient on the phone. I did try to 
to, uh, you know, acquiesce and, and listen to what he had to say. Um, in the end, he left another review um, and at that point didn't even have the names of the doctors, you know, correct. And it just, unfortunately, I think might have just been this individual maybe just was having some some issues at that moment. But the interesting part to me was that it was still a two-star review. You know, I, <laughs> I, I couldn't figure that part like, out. What I mean, could I have it, done it, to be worse? Interesting. Right. It seemed like it was <laughs> terrible, but yet he left two stars. So um, I would say, you know, my associate being a little younger in practice, it was a devastating situation for him. He really took it personally. Um, and I think for doctors out there, it's important to realize that, you know, it's not possible to always please everyone, and it's not possible to always know potentially the mental status of everyone. And so this open door for communication, for feedback, positive, you hope for, also opens the door for negative feedback, and some of it may be unjustified. Um, now, Dr. Austin, when I listen to him speaking to you, and I've heard others mention this, you know, in some ways, a bad review does kind of make it all feel a lot more real. And so I think, again, back to the response that you give as the doctor or the practice to the, to the reviews is going to show as much about your character or maybe even more than what the review said. And so, again, I think it's sheer numbers. You want to have more good reviews than bad ones. That was a kind of a unique situation. And um, again, you know, it was sort of an outlier for how patients have left reviews for us. But again, I would, I would say this, and I think it comes back to any business, any industry, anything. I think ultimately there was a breakdown in communication at that last moment before the patient walked out the door. And I do believe that that's what gave him the energy and the, the, the gumption to go on and leave that review. So mm. it's always critical that that, especially at the end, you know, leave on the a high last note. point of contact, leave on a high note, make sure that the questions are answered. And if you as a staff member don't have the answer, interrupt the doctor and get them so that they can be the last voice they hear. Because oftentimes I think that might correct the problem. Mm, that's, I mean, Honestly, I'm I'm impressed with the ownership that you take of this, um, because I think that your approach is fantastic, um, and that's great advice. Absolutely, um, you have to pay attention, and it uh, it looks like in this case, especially, you are able to identify. Hey, you know what? Regardless of how crazy I think this patient was. I think we could have done better, and I think we could have still gotten him to leave a positive review, um, which you know we don't know. But the one thing that I would um, – I actually just made a little Instagram post on this particular topic, and that is a lot of times doctors or uh, the, the staff, they just see a one-star review, and they freak out because it says one star, or in this case, a two-star review. And that doesn't, there's two things. First of all, I don't think you should freak out about getting a one-star review um, because it's not the end of the world. Your business isn't going to go away and you're proof of this. <laughs> you're still practicing. <laughs> but the other thing is that you have to realize that as a consumer, what do we do when we're looking at reviews in general? The first thing is we go look at the negative ones. We sort by negative. We want to see what's the worst thing that's ever happened at this practice. The second thing we look at is did the business respond and you know what what thoughts or how how professional were they or does it feel like they were trying to make this right or did they just kind of ignore it and brush it under the rug so responding as a business is huge but the other thing that some people I think are just unaware that you can actually do 
is you can click on the user's profile to see what else they've reviewed. And I always do this. Whenever I see a bad review that someone left, I just go click into their profile to see, first of all, if they've only left one review ever in their life online, my thought is first, how, like, is this a real account? Do they even have a picture or are they, is this a competitor down the street that's trying to like bash the business, you know, cause that could happen. But the other thing is, and it's funny in this case in particular, this particular patient that left you the negative review, he's left three other reviews online, all of them negative. And to me, Interesting. what is that? It's just like p- consumers do this there. And it, it took me two seconds to see this. I don't even, I'm not even going to read the other reviews, but I can see that this guy is sour. He's just like, I, I feel like there's, you have to realize as dentists that it's okay to get negative reviews. And actually, this is a crazy statistic, having like a 4.9 or 4.8 out of five when you've got 100 reviews is better than having all five-star reviews because patients, future patients, when they're investigating your business, they understand that there are crazy people in the world that you know are mad about everything or they're frustrated that their insurance didn't pay or they don't understand how the billing process worked or whatever it is. And yeah, you can make sure that you are adjusting your processes to try and catch more of those misunderstandings. But like sometimes a, a one-star review is just what you needed to move yourself down from a 5.0 to a 4.9. And now you look even more credible online. And that one-star review that you got was left by someone who has a whole bunch of other one-star reviews online and clearly is just going around and just, you know, being upset at every in, like interaction that they have. So I don't know if that is something you've ever thought of or, or um, were aware of, but that's, um, just funny to me that once again, the guys, the people that leave bad reviews usually are not like, they usually don't come from someone that has left 55 star reviews for other businesses. And if it does, then in my opinion, that's something you really should pay attention to because obviously they're a normal person that does have good experiences. There was just something off at your business. Oh, that's really interesting. I, I hadn't I had I didn't realize you could so easily access the other reviews they've left, but that's powerful. And and I like you said, just the last statement. If there's someone that leaves really good reviews and they've left you a bad one, then that should be a very impactful moment where you can really take a deep look at what you can do better. And I think we all do that, especially as dentists. I mean, we we really are always striving to get better, and so this is a great opportunity to do that. It's feedback. It's helpful. Um, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting to think that, you know, one, one or two bad reviews could benefit you, but I guess that's, that's sort of a microcosm of life. You know, there's always blessings and everything. <laughs> True. And that's, that's the other thing. You're, you're never looking for bad reviews, but the key to remember is that you need a lot. And if you're doing a good job, you're going to get a lot of five-star reviews, but honestly, the best way sometimes to deal with bad reviews is to just, you know, address it, try to make it right. There's nothing wrong with asking them if they would be open to changing the review if you can resolve this. But if they aren't, then you just like you just move on. It's not like get the next 100 reviews and now it means even less. And then keep in mind like you said, the date the clock keeps ticking. <laughs> and <laughs> I don't care what happened in the business a year ago. I want to know what happened with your last five patients. So there's always that opportunity no on the on the horizon as well. 
Um, I don't know if you have any um, particular opinions on this, but I think it's always a good question, and I'm curious with the various answers that dentists give. But if you were um, placed in a brand new practice, you basically had no presence online, no past reviews, what would be, as of right now, everything that you know um, and the different experiences that you've had when it comes to reviews, what would your process be in setting up or getting the ball rolling with trying to get reviews from patients? Yeah, I, I think, again, I, I really think these paid services, and I don't know a lot about your service, uh, Chris, would be very interested in learning more. But my experience with Podium is that, again, if it's a numbers game, if you're sending out a text message request where a patient can click on it, typically they're already logged in to Facebook or Google on their phone, and they can just easily leave you, even if it's just the stars and they don't leave any type of write-up. I think that that's probably the most the most effective way to get going. I think other ways that you could get started is just, you know, recognizing that, especially if it's a new practice, you know, looking at training your staff to realizing that you have the ability to create a record of reputation and word of mouth that at this moment that you start and open your doors, you have nothing. And that's probably an advantage from what others have done in the past, where you open your doors and it takes a bit for the momentum get, to get going. Here, if you dazzle your first 10 patients and let's say three of them leave you a great review, you already have a, a trail of a reputation right then and there. So I think it really is a combination of getting your, your practice culture uh, in tune with how important this is, and then finding whatever's comfortable about how to ask patients to leave them. And I think that over time, it probably gets you know nuanced based on each doctor's personality and each staff member's personality. But I think if you're at least thinking about it and recognizing those golden opportunities to, to ask, especially when patients are really complimentary, then that's a great way to get started. But I definitely think at this point, making it as convenient as is humanly possible is going to give you a much better opportunity to get more reviews. And so that would be probably, in my opinion, an essential step to building a new practice. Yeah. No, I think that's, you're definitely onto something uh, just in today's world, you know, we get frustrated when Netflix takes 10 seconds to load, <laughs> you know, like it's gotta be now. Like we just, we need things so quickly. Um, and, we really, I mean, people are very generous and willing to help, but there's those little sticking points um, that if it's like, and it's usually at the beginning of this process or the funnel, you know, if it is too complicated or, you know, it, there's too many buttons to click or it's kind of confusing or I clicked on the wrong link, it's a good thing to strive for to kind of be like that, the Lyft um, or Uber experience. Um, and that's what we're trying to do. I feel like we've we've timed the Boolean system and you can leave a review in about five seconds, which um, is very, very good. But the, the piece that is uh, hard to get staff and offices to buy into is um, the how the the office staff needs to be involved in the process to really really excel. Um, but if you're really trying to accelerate and get a ton of reviews, um, the staff it has to just be something that everybody in the staff is talking about and aware of. And you've got things like Dr. Austin was talking about with little incentives and games to make it fun, and then it's just constantly being brought up. So, anyways, yeah, I think that's. Um, all good stuff. So 
how can people reach out to you? Um, what is your, is Instagram your preferred method of contact? Yeah. Instagram's great. I'm at Dr. Brett Gilbert. Um, you know, you can reach me, uh, through my websites. I have my practice website, uh, kingendo.com. And then I also have a personal website, which has my calendar of events, my speaking events, all my endo files are posted there as well. And that's drbreckgilbert.com. So, you know, any way that you want to reach out is great. Um, we're on Facebook as well. So, you know, really, um, the, the coolest part of this, this whole thing started for me in October of 17. So I'm, I'm not exactly an old school guy on this, but I will say if it's any inspiration, anyone, the whole thing just caught fire right away. And so with a little bit of persistence and, and some interest in doing it and putting yourself out there, uh, this social media world can grow very quickly for you. And to be honest, I think it's amazing. I think it's so cool how we follow each other and follow each other's lives and businesses. And I just look at this great opportunity to sit here and speak with you today. And that came because of the effort with the endo files. And so, um, look, if you're not in this game yet, it's something that's not going away. I know a lot of people just keep holding out and hoping maybe it'll just fade away, but this is the world. This is how we communicate. This is how kids really communicate. And so if you're not already on Instagram, if you're not on Facebook, you know, if you're not doing all of this already, five, four, three, two, one, and do it. Right. And just out of curiosity, tell me, uh, your family, do you have a uh, wife, kids? Yeah, I have a wife and two daughters. So it's, uh, you know, a lot of girl stuff going on in my house all the time. So maybe Instagram is where I go to, uh, to, <laughs> to get a little bit of different energy. Now nah, I love it. I'm, I'm blessed. I've got a wonderful family, a wonderful life. I probably work a little too much, but, um, at this point in my life, I feel like this is what I'm here for. And, uh, luckily I've got a lot of support at home that allows me to do all these crazy things that I do traveling around and teaching and everything else. So, um, so I, what can I say, man? I'm grateful for everything and uh, just grateful even for this opportunity to talk with you. I think it's really fun to, you know, help you and hopefully this has some traction for your channel and, you know, really appreciate you reaching out to me for this and genuinely would love to hear more about your program. Yeah, for sure. And you know what? It's been, this has been a long episode, so I want to reward those of you that have stuck it out and listened up until now. So if reviews are something that you have been thinking about within your practice, I want to give you a gift from Boolean. So typically the setup fee for Boolean is $399, actually $499 if you have multiple locations, but I will waive the entire setup fee if you mention this podcast with Dr. Gilbert when you contact us. So if you are listening now and you have ever been considering using Boolean, or any review system for that matter, give us a call. And as I said, we will waive the entire setup fee. So that's $399 if you have a single office, completely free uh, for the account setup. And remember, we do not do month-to-month -month contracts, so you just jump into the monthly subscription, try it out, tell us what you think. Um, and yeah, mention that you heard Dr. Gilbert on this podcast, and we will waive that setup fee for you. Anyways, Dr. Gilbert, it has been a pleasure. I uh, really, really appreciated you taking the time to do this, and I just really enjoyed our conversation. Um, but thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Yeah, and, and I acknowledge you. I mean, I, I know you're running a business, but I really appreciate, I get the sense that you're really fact-finding and you're really trying to put it all together. And I think we're still so early in this process that what you're doing is probably going to be very impactful. And so um, 
appreciate you acknowledge you for you hey for you putting yourself out there and doing this podcast and it's the same thing that i'm talking about and so i really acknowledge you this has been a great experience and uh be anxious to see if uh if anyone takes you up on your offer awesome all right well thank you so much and we will uh be in touch all right sounds good thank you chris Welcome to Boolean Review Podcast, where the highest rated dentists in the country tell us exactly how they do it. All right, folks. Well, there it is. Thank you again for listening. We appreciate your attention and willingness to learn more about reviews. And we want to, again, thank our sponsor, Sky Media. They are the parent company of Boolean. Sky is a dental marketing company that specializes in working with endodontists and oral surgeons. So if you happen to be a specialist and you get a lot of your patients from referrals, give Sky Media a call or check out our website or check out their website, skeye.media. That is skeye.media, sky.media.